Hi guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We have a real treat for you. We have Shankar Ram joining us. Uh, he is the angel investor extraordinaire in Southern California. He's well connected into virtually every single angel group that we have. Um, extremely active with Thai SoCal, with Tech Coast Angels, and a lot of other angel groups. Um, and today we get to learn from his experience, his uh, mindset, and it's going to be a fantastic conversation. I've been looking forward to this for almost a year now, which is <laughs> when we first talked about uh, doing the interview. Um, so with that introduction, Shankar, tell us how you sort of started your entrepreneurial journey and how you got into angel investing. Sure, definitely. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. Uh, it's a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Uh, because I started my journey way back in the 80s, early 80s. I used to work for a large multinational oil service company. Uh, but I found out that my creativity uh, was stifled by politics, company politics. So I decided to become a consultant because my creativity and my entrepreneur skills were not utilized. So I started becoming a consultant. This is somewhere in the early 80s. And um, I threw in my hat in the consulting field and chose an oil company to be consulted and spent a couple of times working on graphics and databases. I found some big voids in the industry, so I decided to start a company to do digitizing mm. and mapping for navigation purposes. Started a company, moved to California. This is in the mid-80s. So my entrepreneurial journey started way back <laughs> I'm a long old timer. So came here, but somehow I started a company with a partner, it didn't work out. I walked out of the deal and went to the transportation logistics industry. Oh, yeah. And uh, again, there was a lot of new things happening, found a big niche in the market that people are not automating the supply chain. So I started another company to do supply chain automation with specifics to importers and exporters. And it was a niche product and it was accepted by the industry. And went on to sell to companies like Mattel's, Epsos, and Toshiba's, and DHL's. And uh, the company grew very well. Um, and as my technology kept changing from Oracle to Microsoft, I had a lot, lot of employees on my payroll. So I said, what am I going to do with employees? So I started the third company to do staff augmentation. Those days called staff augmentation for technology companies. Okay. So I, had, I was running three companies. One staff augmentation, one a product company, supply chain, and the other one a consulting services company. So in 2001, I sold my staff augmentation to a public company in India. And the other company, uh, product company, 2004, I sold the UPS supply chain. Oh, okay. And the services company, I kept going because DHL was my big customer, kept going. And 2009, I merged with another company and came up with a cloud solution okay. for uh, import, export, and cloud uh, logistics. I sold that company in 2015 to Ernst Okay. So, so basically in the past 30 years, I started about six or seven companies, yeah. uh, effectively got out of four companies right. and merged some of them. So I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Right. And I see an opportunity, a company solution, and that becomes a company. Right. Okay. In the same token time frame, uh, I started investing. When I had my first exit in 2001, I had some money and I made my first investment in a company that was not mine. Mm. And surprisingly, that was not a technology company. That was a bank, oh, a wow. commercial bank, 
I've started by one of our existing startups. He's a good friend of mine. I liked his vision. I liked his ideas. I liked the way he was approaching the business. Right. So I became an investor in his bank, and that is my first investment. Wow. So my entrepreneurial journey started in 1983, and 2015-18, I decided to slow down. I'm not an entrepreneur anymore, but I come up with so many ideas, right. and I turned it around so that I can help entrepreneurs now. Absolutely. And that's what I've sort of discovered, that angel investors are entrepreneurs at heart, and they, they want to be in the game. They want to you know, yes. take ideas, go grow them, scale them. Your experience, you know, you have good 20, 25 years at least, uh, years of experience scaling businesses. Yes. Um, how does that mindset sort of help you look at startups and you know, early stage companies? Yeah. Yeah, so one of the companies, you know, in 2004, I mentioned a company um, that was struggling, coming out of the dot-com wars, mm -hmm. and they were under a million dollars, maybe five, six hundred thousand dollars, not doing well, and went in to help them. And yes, I did not start the company, but I went in wearing my entrepreneur hat and see right. how I can help the founders. I met the founders, I liked their philosophy, and I said, let me help you get there. And that company eventually grew to $30 million oh, wow. and sold it to a big Japanese company in 2015. So that's another exit we had. Right. Um, so basically, when I go meet with companies, I, I'm an entrepreneur, I think like an entrepreneur, and I'm able to help them realize the dream, how do you scale by being, you know, by having the right people, by putting a go-to-market strategy, how do you go approach the industry? Well, even if it's a, a product that's not, uh, what do you call it, a uh, niche product, still we can offer the services. Right. So you have to think like an entrepreneur, you know, mm -hmm. even when you, as you scale up, how do you scale up, what do you do, right? Having the right people, training the right people, giving them all the tools to go market them. Right, right, right. No, absolutely, and, and that's, that kind of mindset is lacking with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs who are just starting out. Like they can't necessarily see 20 years down the line and you obviously have that mindset, so that's fantastic. Um, let's talk a little bit about your investing journey because you have been investing for 20 years now. Um, what, you know, early years, you know, you made one investment with a friend. Um, how did you sort of get into the right groove? Okay, uh, as I said, my first business was in 2001. The second major investment was 2004, and a company that was not started by me. Right. And further on, from 2004 to 2010, I did invest in a lot of companies. The first years, the first 10 years of the investment was basically primarily focused on the people. Mm. Now, the founder, when I say people, the founder or the co-founder, what is their strategy? What is their vision? How, what is their... Uh, Qualification. What are their um, ethical, you know, moral, moral, ethical standards? So most of the investment based on the people. I trusted the mm. people and I invested in. Right. Yes, I was successful in two of them. I made a lot of money in the bank as well as the other company. I made good money on my bet because once I invest in the people, then I do give my time to work with the company and grow the company. The company I sold in 2015 as the chairman of the company helped to protect the company. But as we go along, I did make some mistakes. You definitely you know, you see that you make, you're judging the people and you're investing for the people, but you don't really look at the market size, you know, the couple of things, mistakes I made, uh, and whether the founder, co-founder, have the vision 
or they, they, they have the persistence to continue the product, are they flexible, can they adapt or pivot to new things, those are some of the things I, I did not look at that seriously. So as I grew, the second part the, from 2010-13 onward, it was, yes, the founders and the co-founder people are important, but I started looking at much bigger things like the market size. Right. Yes, I know the product, the function is a technology company, not technology company. So I started looking at the market size, started looking at what is this company selling? What was the competition? How can they make a difference in the industry? Are they a disruptor? Right. So a lot more detailed analysis right. I started doing. But then come 2015, 16, I realized an important thing, which is very, very important uh, learning point is, yes, you can only do so much. I already have 20, 30 companies in my portfolio, and then you don't have time to follow up with each of the investments and make the right judgments. Right. And because I was doing it all alone. I decided one that I had to work with groups of people, and that's why I started joining. I joined the, the Techos Angels, right. and I was in a part of Gindi Angels group. So now, working with a groups of people, a set of people who are as smart as you, who have the money, who have the same experience, entrepreneurs, right. change my perception a lot more. Right. Because I found that at least eighty percent of my judgment was right, that twenty percent was missing because I was making assumptions. I was making some judgmental calls based on my experience. Right. But then I found out people, there are other people with different sets of experiences, different set of knowledge. Right. And that 20% where I was assuming, where I was making mistakes, that got filled in with other people. So working as a group, I found a benefit. I found, hey, this is a better way to invest, yeah. working with people there's multiple sets of eyes and ears and brains in this process. Yeah. That really helped me. That's it. I changed my perception of investment and how to do it from 2015 onwards. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right that you know you might have some blind spots, but if you work with uh, people you trust, people who have the same experiences, um, they'll compensate for those blind spots and you can compensate their blind spots. So uh, you overall make uh, better decisions. Um, you, you mentioned Tech Coast Angels, obviously, were connected through TiSoCal. Uh, how are these groups, uh, what's your opinion on you know working with so many different groups? And uh, obviously, each group has a different focus, different types of companies they look at. Um, how do you sort of look at uh, the ecosystem yeah. of groups? So there's one more thing that look at, right? So when you are investing on a personal basis, you invest in companies or verticals that you are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And like an IT guy in applications, so you invest in more IT applications related companies. When you're working as a group, you are now getting expertise of others. You are sharing the resources, you're sharing the vertical knowledge of other industries. So you get to know, you get to learn more about other industries like medical devices or therapeutics or uh, blockchain, which you are not aware of. Right. So that exposes you to multiple areas and verticals where you can invest in. Right. So now I invest in almost every platform because I have people, I have resources, I can look at other people's data. And there's a difference. You can still be an individual investor 
but you work with a group. Tipco right. Seniors, that's one advantage is Tipco Seniors is a consortium of uh, investors and entrepreneurs who right. come together. We listen to pitches, we listen to uh, presentations, we do our due diligence, and we can invest as individuals into those. So that's an option there. Yes, it's your money you're investing, but then you're getting feedback from X number of people. You right. may or may not be part of that, but you unless you can read and learn more about the companies and the other person's opinion, you may agree or you may disagree with that. It's your call, but at least you get to see the 360-degree view of a company you're investing in. Right. Whereas earlier it was 270 or 300 degrees, now I'm looking right. at the complete picture so I can make a, a call. So working with these groups has given me the exposure, given me, it's, let's assume that I, I contribute, as I said, 80%, now it gives me the 100% contribution. Mm -hmm. I have more people contributing to my skills as an investor, right. now I think I made decisions because now I took somebody's brain and got that. Right. Some of the questions they asked, I already know the answer, but there is one question I never asked, they asked which fit me, right. which gave me that recommendation. And now you're learning from their experience yes, and their questions as yeah. well. So. so initially when I went to Tech Post, that was the idea, that I wanted a different set of eyes and ears and brains to look at companies I'm going to make investments in. Right. And that's what I used Tech Post Angels for, right. or Indie Angels for, and Tyso Car Angels for. And it has really helped. Right. And now I've graduated from that to another level, which is the fun concept. Yep. So uh, let's talk briefly about the fund concept. Um, TaiSoCal obviously is raising a fund. We'll talk more in detail about sure. that. Um, but with the fund, the idea is to pool the money together. Hopefully, that allows you to make faster decisions, move, you know, in a in a different direction than just an individual. Um, what are your take on that kind of a structure? Yeah. So there is always, you know, plus and minus in any. Yeah. Thing. When you investing as an individual, you have full control with your money, and, and you invest in a particular company. Mm -hmm. And when a company exits or closes, you get the returns or you make the loss, whatever it is. Yes, maybe. In a fund, you don't have direct say in the fund. You are part of a fund, a group of people putting money into a, an entity. And right. entities make, make investments on behalf of you and other investors. So again, as I said, there's a plus and a minus. The biggest plus advantage is the uh, limitations. For example, if you're an individual investor, a range of investor, your limitations are money, mm -hmm. uh, the skills that the vertical I talked about, and the capacity of the resources. Right. So what is money? In angel investors say they allocate twenty thousand, fifty thousand, or hundred thousand per year to invest in companies. Now with that money, say twenty thousand dollars, you can only invest in one or two companies. Right. On top of that, nowadays small companies do not want to take individual investors. They want bigger ticket size because there's so much money in the market. Right. So you may not even get a chance to invest in companies. Right. I've seen companies say minimum twenty five thousand dollars. We don't yeah. want to take individual six less than that. So if your capital is only twenty twenty five, one investment and that's it. We're done for the year. Yeah. So you don't have an opportunity. Right. Two, vertical. You may know a cloud-based system or a SaaS-based system. You don't know anything about blockchain. You don't know about therapeutics or right. devices. Now, the fund, you have different members who have different expertise, so different vertical exposure is there. And the resources. You, as an individual, can only do so much on a due diligence or a deep dive understanding. You may make assumptions. Now, as a group, as a fund, there will be a dedicated team 
doing that. Uh, could be financials, could be technology, could be the market size. So even though you may know all of those, people are much stronger experience. You're picking their knowledge and putting it in one pool, and then you can do your own analysis. But in a fund, you may not do the analysis, but the risk is now spread. Mm -hmm. uh, among X number of members. It is mm -hmm. not just your risk alone. Your 20,000 is still safe there, but now you're a collective X million dollars. Yeah. Now the risk is spread out. Yeah, yes, sir. The only negative is you don't have the flexibility of exiting the fund whenever you want. Mm -hmm. The same, when you do, do the same thing. You can negotiate, talk to the CEO to buy your shares or sell right. it to somebody. In a fund, you don't have the same ease, right. but I think the benefits outweigh yeah, the absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right in that you can bring a lot of expertise to bear, especially a group like Kaisoka that has, you know, a variety of members, you know, everybody from CPAs to attorneys to marketing specialists. Now you can bring all of those expertise to bear in your process. So now let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about uh, investing through sort of the founder's perspective. Um, let's start with sort of broad picture. What kind of companies do you like to personally do you like to invest and uh, uh, you know make commitments to? Um, and uh, how do you look at sort of the overall landscape? Uh, okay, I'm an eternal optimist and I'm an entrepreneur. I see an entrepreneur. So I believe in creativity, I believe in entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So whenever and whichever company I look at, I look at from an entrepreneur mindset, right. uh, which basically means the first thing I always look for is the people, the founders, the co-founders, the team. People is very important to me. Mm -hmm. How passionate is the founder? Right. On how passionate, what do they believe in? Why do they believe in what they believe? I want to know first. So. Yes, the product or the service they offer is important, mm -hmm. but does the founder believe in it? Does the founder believe that they can make a difference in the market, in the industry? Right. So that is something I want to be articulated. I want to hear that. Mm -hmm. What? How are they making a difference? Right. And what is their product or service and how are they making a difference? How do they think they will supply to the customer and where does the customer see the return on investment? Right. And what is a competition? What, how do you differentiate yourself from the competition? Mm -hmm. So, so basically, if they understand who who they are, who the competition is, what is it they are offering? Yeah. And why would a customer, a prospective customer, why would they look at them? Why would they want the product? And why would they stay with them? Yeah. So that is something has to be articulated by the founders, or co-founder, the team, or the message. What am I getting? That right. message is very important to me. Right. So that's there. Yes, the next thing is I look at the market size. Which market are they in? What is the market size? How big? If they are new, like a disruptor, maybe we came up or, uh, or Uber came up, then nobody could know the market size yeah. or because they're doing something different, people didn't understand it. But is there something that's there? And right. being an entrepreneur, I'm able to see the niche markets. I developed three products that was not done before. So right. I know that I can make it. Disrupt the industry, which I did, and we can do the same thing. I can feel it as an entrepreneur. I have the advantage, right? And understanding it sometimes, in some cases, more than the founder itself. <laughs> I cannot tell you the founder, you are looking at the wrong place, right? So that's very important to me, right? And again, the founder, whether they can pivot with, with a chain, whether it's trainable, coachable, all the stuff is right. very important to me. Um, so the founder, the co founders, the team. 
the market size is important. Yeah. Which market they in? What are they in? What? How can they penetrate the market? How can they establish themselves? And that will also set the way for the exit strategy. How right. are they going to exit? Where are they going to go? Who is the competition? Who will buy them all? So that sets the uh, scenario for investment. And naturally, you look at the financials, mm -hmm. and Absolutely. this is very basic. What is the cash on hand? How does the balance sheet look? Right. You know, so that's very important to me. Uh, and because how do they manage their money? What's it going? Right. And how are they spending the money? You know, and where are they spending the money? Yeah. Uh, like the cost of uh, what the cost of acquiring a customer. Those are all things which are simple. People, if the CEO doesn't understand it, something is wrong. Right. I want to understand that. And what kind of race have they? The money so far. How did they spend that money? What kind of ways they want to spend? Mm -hmm. And a lot of founders have a problem. Yeah, I want to raise two million dollars. One minute, your competition raised twenty million dollars, and you need this to get there. Right. Is this money enough? Yeah. I know the first money is expensive, but do they really understand the business? Yeah. That tells a lot. And then the valuation. What under what valuation the raise? How much of uh, the cap table is owned by outsiders, how much of the shared holdings, because that sets up what is their priority. So basically, the people, the market size, then the exit strategy comes into it, the customers and competition, and naturally the you know, financials yeah. make a difference. And the exit strategy is also important. Right. And the verticals, yeah, I'm a technology guy. So I, uh, technology means any application. Any application, whether it's fintech or agri tech or real pure tech, doesn't matter to me. Supply chain. Right. I understand an automation. Any automation mm -hmm. is interesting. Machine learning is so much fun now. Machine yeah. learning is something really, really exciting right now. Mm -hmm. And AI is a buzzword, but machine learning is really important. Right. right now. So any automation, whichever vertical it is in agriculture or consumer base or supply chain, attract yeah, that. Interesting. Right. Medical devices, I'm able to understand medical devices and therapeutics now because uh, two of my sons are in the same industry. Okay. So I picked a brain and I learned <laughs> a lot about it. And I'm also slowly getting, I have, my biggest investment now is in therapeutics. Right? Oh, wow. okay. So I am getting into it because I have, as I said, two sons in the same space. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to pick a brain and building a portfolio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I consistently hear uh, you saying that, you know, you're a lifelong learner, you're constantly picking. Uh, you know other people's brains you're sort of learning from other questions that people are asking so I love that um, going a little bit more into the process of making the investment um, you know we start with sort of basic screening just you know because you're uh, you know I know you are bombarded by deal flow uh, by a number of companies that are approaching you um, how do you sort of filter that through and then choose, you know, a handful of companies to sort of focus on, and then going through, we can, you know, go through it step by step. But that initial screening, mm -hmm. what's on your mind when you're going through that portfolio? So that's a very time-consuming process. Yeah, I'm an old-fashioned guy, and I believe in face-to-face -face meetings. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you can say because of COVID, we didn't have that. Right. So I did save a lot of time. Now I believe in Zoom and WhatsApp, or phone calls. Uh, and I talk to companies all over the world. You know, yesterday I spoke to a company out of Israel. You know, the day before I spoke to two companies out of India and in the US. So I talk to a lot of companies all the time. So basically, I do a lot of screening, pre screening, I can call it. Uh, I would like to talk to the founder one on one personally. And there can be others on the call, but I like to talk to them. First thing is, I get a pitch deck from them or a write up from them. 
not a detail. I want to get the right terms. So, so far I'm lucky. I 80, 90% of the market I understand. There are some I will not understand. But I do understand the market. And most of the market because I do my research, I talk to people, I pick people's brain, I'm always trying to be on top of things. Right. Because I enjoy what I do. Mm -hmm. So I spend anywhere from 30 minutes to one hour mm -hmm. with the founder on the phone call. Okay. The past 15 months I've talked to 400 companies. So I spend a lot of time with that. Right. I love listening, asking questions, I love the process. And I always say that I feel young when I talk to entrepreneurs because I get the energy from them. Right. And sometimes it's natural, I, I get the energy. If I don't get the energy, something is wrong. Right. The company concept itself. And if I get excited and I found a way to solve their problem, immediately I think it's a good company to look into my right. perception. As I said, I'm an optimist. I'm always thinking of every company has got a possible path. But first thing I want to understand, like I told you, I want to know the, the founder's passion, founder's understanding of the subject matter, and founder's uh, market understanding of market space, mm -hmm. marketplace, evaluation race. A lot of things that go with it. Right. There could be a fantastic product. Yes, it could be a good thing. But then they have, well, I have ten thousand dollars in sales, and my valuation is hundred million or something. <laughs> some weird things almost happen right. nowadays. So I know it. Yes, it could be a good company to look at, but maybe it's not a good company to invest in. Right. Because as an angel investor, and as a representation, representative for other investors and people who follow me, I need to have realistic expectations. A good expectations. Um, the, the ex my realistic expectations at least five multiple, mm -hmm. but as an angel investor, you should shoot for ten multiple in deals. By the time you end up, you may end up with three to five multiple. Right. If you end up with three to five, and then you end up with one or two, it's not good investment. Yeah. So naturally, we are looking between five to ten multiple. So if I'm going to look at a company and the company valuation is at ten million. Hopefully, we think the company will sell themselves for 100 million one day so that I can get some money out. In the process, you'll be diluted and things could happen. Yeah. I end up in five to seven times. But I should always look, see, would this company get me that multiple I'm looking for? Because yeah. as Indian investors, we take the maximum risk. Yeah. Because you know, VCs come in and they're different. They have more money to play, they have more money to risk, and they already come up in the company's macro is established. Mm -hmm. because. The statistic shows that you know, 80% of companies will fail. Yep. So as any investor, that means 80% of my portfolio <laughs> should be fine. Right, exactly. And so far, luckily, it's not happened. I had only one or two failures. But we have to be very careful as any investors to look at the valuation, where it's going. Mm -hmm. And as I said, again, investing as a group also eliminates the risk. Right, absolutely. I, I think uh, the way you've sort of broken it down is perfect for founders to sort of understand uh, the risk they're offering with the return, which is which is sort of the overall mindset, right? Risk to return. Um, let's talk about the actual due diligence process and uh, what you're what you look for in that process because. Once the screening is done, you're already sort of in your mind, you feel positive about the company. You you know, it, it's looking good. That's why you're going into your diligence, spending another maybe two, three, five hours uh, or more with the company. Um, what, what are you sort of now focusing on? Because you already have a positive mindset. What's the next step? Okay. Uh, again, as I told you before, right? So once, we, once I look at a company and say it's worth investing, 
And actually, if there are co-founders or team members, I'd like to talk to them or I'd like to look at the profile and see what it is. Their prayer history, the prayer, if they had already had multiple exits or if they had exited and started a company, where did they work for? What is their, it's like hiring an employee. You want to know where, how many jobs they change, what is their background, what, how, what is it, why are they doing what they're doing today? Those things I want to understand okay. up there for the people. And naturally, I want to look at the financials. I said, what is their, you know, how does the payment look? Profit and loss statements. How do the balance sheet look? What's the cash on hand? How do they have? Where did they get the money from? Where they had a base? Where did they get it from? How are they spending the money? What is their uh, spend on the foundation? What is the runway they have for taking the right forward? Do they understand what is it they need to get to where they have to go? For example, they have money. How much money do you need to get to the place? How many team members do you need to get to the place? What kind of marketing strategy do you need to get there? What kind of spend are you going to do to get? of these right. to be at a position where you can move to a series A. We look at mostly seed, pre-series A. There are some companies series A also in the US, but you're looking at seed and pre-series A. That means we have to go to series A, and series A is normally venture companies. Mm -hmm. Series B is serious venture companies. Right. Ideally, when a company has gone to series B, that means we're in good shape and sit back and relax. Hopefully, they will go to C, D, E, F, and one. Right. That's there. I imagine a company series H also does. But, so once they go to B, you're much definitely right. safer. Right. Almost safer. Series A, you're okay. Maybe 50% safe. B could be 80% safe. Could be. So to get to series A, do they have enough money, enough Bandwidth to get there. Right. So, in a due diligence, we look at the team, mm -hmm. we look at the go to market strategy and the product development strategy, the technology behind it to that extent. Mm -hmm. So, the technology, the development cycle, the cost development, the team that makes up, and the financials of everything that you can get there. All this right. is important. Right. Because we know very rare as company exit, mm -hmm. have one company exit before Series A. Very rare as a company is in the full city. Right. So, I just said, he, as long as we know there's enough players in the field, we know that we need this strategy. Okay. Uh, but I look at mostly the team, the financials, and the go to market strategy. Fantastic. Yeah. So, I, I, I love the way you're sort of breaking it down. And when you're working with an angel group or working with a fund, like you mentioned for Thai SoCal, um, this is a team effort. So it, you're, you're putting in the time, you might be leading the team, but you have specialties uh, within the group that focus on each of, exactly. each of the functional areas that we just discussed. Um, so now next step, you know, once you make the investment, I know you sort of take active roles in a lot of organizations. You are either a board member or advisor. Uh, and even if you don't have a formal title, you're constantly working with companies that you invested in. What are sort of the next things that you're trying to make sure, uh, you know, that, you know, the milestones that the companies are uh, achieving? Yeah. Again, it, it depends. As angel investors, as an individual investor, unless you're putting a big chunk of the money, mm -hmm. you don't have much say. Right. See, that is where the risk is also there. Because you're not only risking with the company and its infancy, you're also risking uh, the money and you don't have any control how they spend the money, what they do. Right. They could have a fantastic presentation, great say, sell, and you got in, but then they could go broke the money. Right. What control do you have? It's very difficult as an individual to have control. I've been, I've been, I'm a director of three, four companies. Yeah, I put a lot of money into it, so I got a 10% stake and I have control. 
with that control, a little bit of a say in it. But you, you can't get 10% in a company nowadays unless you put lots of money. So it's a different ballgame when you are uh, on the board of the company where you can direct on who to hire, what to do, change your market strategy, pivoting, finance. You have a lot of control over all of those, a lot of say that how they listen to you. Right. Whereas if you're an angel and put small $25,000, you want point zero zero one person of the company, you have no say, you just need to look at the reports and you can just get in calls. But one thing I've seen and learned is every entrepreneur, every company founder, CEO, they will definitely take the input. They may not sound that way, but they are willing to listen because they all want to succeed. Everybody wants to succeed. Yeah. And if you have, if you know that you have succeeded, you have a track record, they are willing to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be involved, you should send them, keep in touch with the CEOs, they yeah. listen to you. But when you go as a group and then you appoint an advisor on the board, you have more say in it. Right. Make sure that you get a quarterly report at least, a financial report, yeah. probably a status on what team building and what kind of team they built, a status on what are the marketing strategy, or a new product development. Mm -hmm. So if you ask the right questions, if you ask the questions, CEOs will get back to you. Okay. And there are some, nowadays because they are very much uh, finance uh, fundraising is part of their game plan, right. they have a, a dedicated person giving you feedback. I have one company, uh, every Wednesday, they make a call. Anybody oh, wow. can chime in, there's a recorded thing you can participate. Right. And once a month you can talk to the CEO. Right. I put only $50,000 dollars in the company, but I can have a conversation with the CEO once a month. Right, and then there's a call where I can participate to know what's going on in the company. They talk about the new team members, new products. So there are the uh, CEOs and the founders are now proactive. They are participating. Right. So if you put the money, get involved. Right. Ask questions. Exactly. But you can't be nagging that they have run a company, but get involved. Right. Absolutely. And this is perfect advice for the founders who are listening. Also, yeah. that you know, if you get a check from someone, that's fantastic. Now you're in business. But you're also getting a person who is experienced, who is knowledgeable, use that, <laughs> right? Exactly. And that's one thing I always say, right? I tell my son, uh, who is an entrepreneur, I invested money in his company, I said, the moment you take even a $1 check from an outside party, mm -hmm. an investor so-called, your privacy is gone. Right. They can ask any question. You, you choose not to answer the answer, but your privacy, you they can ask you any question that pertain to the company. Right. And you're supposed to give it to them. Yeah. As a CEO, as a founder, don't let them ask you the question. Be proactive. Give them feedback, whether your problems, because they are there to help you. They want to multiply that money. Absolutely. And which means they will need to offer the time to help you. Right. Very few angel investors are going to come and ask you for the money. They want to help you grow because I want to see the 10x growth. Exactly. So they will need to help. If you have a problem, you're not able to get the right person. I just got a text message right now. Some companies looking, uh, one of my companies looking for uh, personnel. Mm -hmm. They send a WhatsApp text to all the investors. <laughs> it's okay, nothing wrong, because I'm gonna pass it on to somebody else to say, yeah. hey, do you know somebody there? Yeah. And that's what we do. And I went to invest only $20,000, but I still want my company to succeed. Absolutely. So that is why, so be proactive, give information to the investors. Yeah. There's nothing to hide. You have nothing to hide anyway, but as well to give them the information, and right. we are there to help you grow, because it's our money that's growing. Exactly, exactly. The investors only make money if you succeed. Yeah. So we'll help you succeed. Yeah, so and, and not only is my money going, and I also have a pride in, hey, I let some, I yeah, help exactly. somebody grow. 
And that's something that all most individuals will share. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of the wisdom with us. Um, any sort of final thoughts for founders who might be listening, or even investors uh, who are new to the game and uh, are you know wanting to get into angel investing? Yeah. No, founders. I always say, right? Now be open, be proactive, mm-hmm. uh, be open. Put all the parts on the table. Don't be influenced by people who tell you all oh, the valuation is high, this and that. Be realistic and listen to your investors. Listen right. to your investors. Listen to your angel groups. What they tell you and listening and then communicating. Communicate, communicate. That's very important. As far as new investors, angel investment has taken off really, really well in the past ten years. Angel investment is a fun. Uh, a fun hobby, you want to call it, fun opportunity. It's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, investing in these small companies, startup companies, youngsters, people have great ideas. Look at all the companies, look at the industry, what we are now, 10 years ago, we didn't have all of this stuff. Right. All this is because of entrepreneurs and innovation. Innovation happens thanks to all the entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs succeed because of people like us, angels. Who are the VCs? One day, you know, an angel become a VC. Right. So investment is the way this country has grown, innovation is the way this country has grown, and definitely angel investors play a big, big part in it. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to ask you the last question that I always ask uh, uh, investors is um, when the founder who's listening uh, reaches out to you, what is one thing that they have to have done before that first conversation with you? Um, and this is essentially to give the founders an action step to get it done today. Um, so this way, you know, we leave them with something to do. Well, simple thing, right? Either if you're listening to my video or whatever it is, do your homework. Yes. Understand you, what you're doing, what you're offering, why you're there. Mm-hmm. Just be, don't come to investors because you want money. <laughs> come up with a plan. Investors want to know and. Be, you should be ready with all the answers, the questions you're going to ask. Yep. Be prepared, know what you are, be confident. Yep. And you have to be a persistent individual. Mm-hmm. Passion is one thing, but persistence is the blood. Passion Absolutely. is important, but persistence is there. Be persistent, be knowledgeable, be proactive. It's fantastic advice to end the show with. Thank you so much for coming out again. And uh, to everyone, if you want to connect, uh, we'll have information for Shankar in in the description below. And you can always reach out to Startup Steroid and uh, create your profiles there. I know Shankar reviews every profile that's up there. Uh, So get your documents up there, get your information up there so we can help you connect with Shankar. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much.